Fanatics Football, the football segment of the Fantasy Fanatics Podcast. I'll be your host once again, James, and I'm joined once again by Nate and Mete. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? And today's football episode, we'll just dive into the strength of the NFL schedule for each team based on last year's records heading into the 2021 NFL season. We'll then take a look at some news around the NFL and then jump into our half-point PPR rankings of tight ends for the 2021 fantasy season. So let's just hop right into the strength of schedule. Um, Just taking a look at the schedules heading into the next season. Um, Matt, I'll start with you. I'm just looking at some of the teams here. What's one team that you think might struggle with how strong their schedule is heading into next year? Um, A team I can see struggling next year is the Bears. On this list, they're the third lowest, or they have the third hardest schedule based on win percentage. And last year, I think they were 8-8, and and they barely made the playoffs. So I think they'll have a tough time next year. Yeah, I can definitely agree. They barely snuck into the playoffs there. They were easily the worst team that performed in the playoffs last year. They really just didn't get anything going. I know Justin Fields is a bright young rookie, but we don't know when he's going to start. So I think it might be uh, tough there for the Bears in the early going. And uh, Nate, just getting to you, um, what's one team that you think might struggle with their schedule? I think there's a few teams. Um, If you look at teams that are kind of still in the rebuilding phase, maybe like the Bengals or the Lions, um, they're facing some really tough teams. And um, in terms of like overall strength of their teams, I don't think they're strong enough to get a winning record this year. So there's that. Yeah, I know a lot of people think the Bengals will improve, you know, a better offensive line pass catchers Joe Burrow in his second year but yeah just looking at that schedule it's going to be really tough uh, for them and then the Lions are pretty much in a full rebuild Um, I guess uh, one team that I thought I might want to look at is the Green Bay Packers Um, I know there's news circling around the status of Aaron Rodgers if he does leave that's going to put the franchise in a tough spot I think they might even be a lottery team uh, with that kind of schedule if you throw Jordan Love in there as a rookie um yeah I really just don't see them having anything close to what they had last year um they're pretty much going to be battling at the bottom with the Detroit Lions of that in that division so yeah I I just really feel bad for the Packers I mean if Rodgers is there they can still make the playoffs with that tough schedule but then yeah it's, it's just really tough to see without him um getting back to you Mete what's one team um I know you're probably going to say Dallas talk about Mm -hmm. Dallas and then talk about another team that has a pretty favorable schedule and they can improve yeah so the Cowboys have the second easiest schedule based on one percentage uh I'm hoping they'll win the NFC East this year with Dak healthy and so you're telling me to pick another team I could go with I guess the Buccaneers they're the defending champions and they have the fourth easiest schedule. So that should be a division win for them and possibly a bye. Yeah. Like I have no idea what the NFL is even thinking, giving the champions a stacked team like Tampa Bay, the fourth easiest schedule. Like are they just going to let Tom Brady walk to his eighth Super Bowl victory this year. I mean, yeah, I don't know what they were thinking on that, but uh, Nate, just getting to you, uh, what's a team here that you really see that has a favorable schedule and they can improve? Um, I guess a team with a favorable schedule. Um, again, there's like a couple. Um, I like the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are like right behind bucket of the Bucks for like a really easy schedule. And they're pretty good. And I think they improved as well through the draft. So... We might see the Dolphins in the playoffs this year. Uh, There's also, I guess, the 49ers. They're pretty far behind, like, the easiest, but their schedule's not going to be the most difficult either, and I think they have a lot of people coming back who are supposed to be fully healthy, so um, we could see them make it out of their division. 
All right. Before I pick a team, I just want to make a case for the New England Patriots. They went into last year with the hardest strength of schedule and they finished seven and nine with um, practice squad guys at wide receiver and on defensive line. They still finished seven and nine with a Cam Newton that was not at 100% after getting COVID. So, I mean, if this team gets healthy, uh, they have a top 15, like 12 to 15 schedule this year. They're going to be playing a lot of easier teams. This team has a lot of room to improve. I know um, people might be might say I'm a hopeful Patriots fan, but I really do think there's room for improvement with how much easier their schedule is. It's 20 spots easier than it was last year. Um, yeah, I really think they definitely have some room for improvement. And then I'm also going to go uh, with a team like the New York Giants. Um, I feel like the Giants at the end of the year really came on strong with their defense. If they can just get their offense figured out, uh, they do have a top 10 easiest schedule. So uh, definitely uh, one of the easiest divisions as well. Matt, take a test to that. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the Giants, I mean, people have been sleeping on them. I think they gave them the like the third or fourth worst odds to win the division for next season. And I was questioning that. I was like, their defense beat high-powered offenses like the Seahawks. And, and you know, they gave Pittsburgh a scare. They, they gave a lot of these top offenses scares. I think that this team really has a lot of room for improvement. So that'll be the second team that I'll go with in terms of strength of schedule. And uh, I guess, um, Matty, just getting to you, any last thoughts on maybe some of the teams and their schedule? Um, I think, honestly, the Falcons have the third easiest schedule. And if they hold on to Julio Jones, um, I think they could make a run at the playoffs, honestly. They're not even that bad, but it depends on how the front office wants to go at it you know if they want to rebuild or if they want to give it another shot yeah I mean their defense just needs to improve a little bit especially in the secondary um but yeah they definitely have the offense to to win games as we saw last year their defense just didn't come through and then Nate any last thoughts for you uh, how are the Browns looking in terms of schedule heading into next season I guess in terms of uh strength of schedule the browns have it kind of rough um i think they're ranked not ranked ninth in strength of schedule so easier than the steelers and the ravens but it's not going to be um that easy but i think the browns improved a lot so um i think the browns should be able to manage i'm actually kind of worried about um the steelers chances of making the playoffs even though they're uh, division rivals with the the browns we might see them I guess um, lose some big games maybe early in the season, uh, I guess mainly because I'm not really too confident about their offensive line still. So uh, I guess they got a little bit of adjusting to do. Yeah, just looking at the Browns, I think people are projecting them to win the division because they do have the easiest schedule out of all the teams in their division. So um, yeah, I think that um, Cleveland definitely can jump on that opportunity in their division. Um, we can't sleep on them. I know uh, all four of those teams in that division have the the four hardest schedules. Well, well, the, well they have four very hard schedules. Well, it's because they're playing each other uh, for six games out of in the year. That's why. So, um, yeah, you you can't fault the Browns for that. They definitely have a good shot at winning the division and. Um, yeah, um, just looking over everything, I know you mentioned that division. I'm all also mentioned the Vikings. Um, uh, they're going to have a tough schedule as well, that whole division as well, Packers, Bears, Lions. Um, I definitely could see the Vikings going on a run. They definitely improved on defense in the draft. They definitely added some good pieces, assuming Dalvin Cook's healthy, Justin Jefferson. I mean, they have a good young team. Um, and if Aaron Rodgers leaves the division, it opens it wide up. So uh, even with a tough schedule, I like the Vikings chances. So um, just moving on to some news around the NFL. Uh, it was official um, as of uh, Thursday that Tim Tebow has signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars to play tight end. Um, yeah, they, uh, they signed his contract Thursday morning. Uh, he joined them for off-season workouts. Uh, Nate, I'll start with you this time. Um, what do you think about Tebow getting this opportunity? Um, I mean, I know there are a lot of people who are kind of like questioning Tebow's ability, and it's not necessarily fair for Tebow to get the job ahead of other tight ends, which 
I kind of um, understand because we haven't seen his ability at the NFL level yet. But at the same time, if if he got the job, he has to have some kind of skill in the position. So um, I guess there could be some kind of um, potential for him to, I guess, do something as a tight end. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess just one thing that I've noticed about Tebow is that um, he's worked pretty hard to get where he's uh, been, like everywhere. Um, he might not have been the best person uh, in his area, but he's always worked hard. I mean, he even made it to with a double A or triple A baseball. So, I mean, to play um, two professional level sports is pretty difficult. Most people can't do that. So, um, transitioning to a tight end. I know some quarterbacks, I know people talked about Colin Kaepernick. Uh, he didn't want to transition to a tight end, so I, he didn't get an opportunity when playing quarterback failed for him. Um, Tebow wants to change over. They're going to give him a shot. If it doesn't work, he'll probably move into a coaching role. They, they like his leadership there. But if it does work out, then, you know, Trevor Lawrence definitely has another guy to throw the ball to. So, all right. So, Mete, uh, what do you think about the Tim Tebow signing? I think this is a good signing for the Jaguars. It brings him a lot of attention, I think. And for a franchise like Jacksonville, I think that's really key because not a lot of people pay attention to them. This will get them uh, more views for their games, I think. Um, and if it doesn't even work out, um, Tebow, he's a good leader, like you, like you guys said, and yeah, I think it's a low-risk, high-reward kind of signing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He is living in the Jacksonville area. Um, he's always been known for his high jersey sales, so definitely moving Jacksonville merch is always key. Um, it'll, it'll definitely um, help out, you know, a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, they got uh, him because, you know, same faith. Uh, you know, they're both quarterbacks coming out of college. And Urban Myers worked with Tim Tebow for a long time. So I think that, um, yeah, it just seems like a logical move. Um, the, the least Tebow can do is just, you know, help coach uh, Trevor Lawrence in the right direction mentally, uh, physically, spiritually, everything like that. So uh, it, it's a low-risk move, Mete, like you said. Um, they're not putting a lot of money into it. They're just giving Tebow an opportunity because he's worked really hard to get where he is in multiple sports. And, and then, uh, Nate, as you said, um, it could really work out. It could really benefit um, the, the Jaguars in a big way. So, um, yeah, I definitely uh, like the, the direction they're going here. Um, speaking of tight ends, actually, we're now going to move into our half-point PPR tight end rankings for this coming uh, fantasy season. Um, what I'm going to do, guys, is I'll just go with each one of you. You guys give me your your first three uh, tight ends, just talk a little bit about them and then we'll move around and we'll go every three tight ends uh, around the room. And then we'll just talk about them. And then at the end, we can sort of discuss where we think players are at. So um, Nate, I'm going to start with you here. Give us your first three tight ends and explain why you have them there. Uh, so I guess I put um, Travis Kelsey first, Kittle second and Darren Waller third. Um, I guess these are like the three um, best performing tight ends um, last season in terms of like fantasy, both fantasy wise and even just like in the regular NFL too. Um, I guess Kelsey, there's not really much to say about him. I think he got over a, a thousand rec yards. He got 11 touchdowns. Um, I think in terms of fantasy points, he got 17.4. His catch rate is 71.7, so it's really good. Um, he's one of Patrick Mahomes' uh, main tar targets, so he's going to get major yards. He's going to get a lot of touchdowns. And like most tight ends, they're like starving for targets, but uh, Kelsey is like the main ex uh, ex exception for that. So I think that should put him at number one. And Kittle is kind of like in a similar um, situation. He should be getting a lot of targets. His catch rate is really good. It's one of the best in the entire league. Um, I think he he was um, injured, but he was on pace for 12.6 fantasy points per game, which is still like one of the highest fan 
I think fantasy point ratings for tight ends. So I put him at seconds and I think he should be fully healthy as well. I think for Darren Waller, he got 14.1 fantasy points per game, but I decided to put him lower than Kittle mostly because I think uh, 49ers are a better team overall and having a good overall team um, really helps your individual fantasy production as well. I feel like so even though Darren Wall is like really good um, tight ends, his ceiling is kind of capped by the team that he's on. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, just looking at uh, my tight end rankings before I get to you, Mete, um, I have uh, Kelsey Kittle and Waller in that order. Um, I was thinking of putting Kittle at number one, but Kansas City uh, lost some of their playmakers on offense, Sammy Watkins and uh, others, um, guys like um, – you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell and so on had left the team. So you're pretty much losing a potential target. So I feel like Kelsey's going to have more targets opened up to him. I know that Kittle um, seems to be uh, the guy that, you know, pretty much the 49ers run their offense around, but I still think Kelsey's ceiling is just a little bit higher because of that. Um, I mean, you can't go wrong with either of the two in your drafts, but I definitely will put Kelsey just over Kittle by a little bit. Uh, Darren Waller, I have at third. Uh, I think the, there was an argument to put him over Kittle, uh, but then the schedule came out and then uh, we saw how difficult the Raiders schedule is going to be. Um, so I just sort of shied away from that. Um, have Darren Waller a little bit lower uh, than I could have put him. So yeah, that's my top three. And uh, Mete, I'll get to you on yours. Uh, I have the same order as you guys as well. So Kelsey is the best. He's playing with Mahomes. So that's why I have him at number one. The concern I had with Kittle was, like I said, Kelsey's playing with Mahomes and Kittle has either Jimmy Garoppolo or he's going to have Trevor... Trey Lance as his quarterback, and yeah. they're not as good as Mahomes. And then same for Waller. He's had uh, two great seasons with 1,100 yards, both of them each. And the only problem is he has Derek Carr throwing to him, but he's, he's a stud. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um quarterbacking makes a big difference when it comes to tight end production as well as scheme. But uh, Nate, let me get to you for your four five, six. Who do you have there? Uh, for four five and six, uh, one of them is like kind of like a weird pick, but four, I put Mark Andrews, Robert Tanya and I put five, but he's kind of like a huge, like gamble pick. And I think Mike Gusecki, I put him at six. Um, I think Mark Andrews, he also had a really high fantasy points per game. Um, his catch rate was really good. He got a decent amount of touchdowns. And I think he finished um, fifth, but he played less games than tight ends with, um, I think, similar scores to him. I think he, he played 14 games and started two. So um, I think he's starting as well. So he should have a higher ceiling uh this season and i guess for robert tanyan he's pretty much dependent on if aaron Rodgers is staying on the packers if he's staying on on the packers i think he should be maybe around fifth or sixth mainly because his catch rate is so high even with his low amount of targets he shouldn't be any higher than what i put him i think in any situation unless Aaron Rodgers starts targeting him a lot for whatever reason, but I don't really think that's going to happen. So fifth is, I think, the ceiling for Robert Tanyan in any situation. And I guess I put Mike Gusecki at sixth. Um, his uh, reception rate's really good as well. Um, he got a lot of um, yards last season, got a decent amount of touchdowns. Miami's a really good team, and they're – schedule is really good as well so I think um is gonna have a good season yeah for sure I like um some of the the boldness that you put on some of those picks um they and you definitely have good reasons behind them so um you do you definitely have uh, a different uh, next three than I do at four I have 
uh, Mark Andrews as well, just because he's the main target in that offense. Uh, you just can't take that away from him. Uh, whether Lamar Jackson is playing amazing or he's not playing that great, he's still going to throw at least three or four passes a game to Mark Andrews, and he's going to get yardage. A lot of times it's in the red zone, so uh, there's no reason to doubt Andrews. He's been um, a top-level tight end for two straight seasons now, so uh, moving into that third year, he definitely should be a top performer at the position. Um, number five, I have TJ Hawkinson for the Detroit Lions. I know some people might question that pick based on the Lions schedule, based on um, how poor their offense looks on paper. But I mean, if there's no one else in the offense to throw to, who else is Goff going to throw to? Hawkinson's going to get peppered this year. Um, I'm projecting him as a top five tight end because of that. Um, he's going to be getting red zone looks. I know he's going to be double teamed a lot, but he has a lot of talent. I've watched him play. Um, I definitely think he'll make the most out of the production. Um, he is one of the tight ends that could definitely seeing having over a hundred targets on the season. And when you're getting that many targets, you're going to come down with a lot of those balls. So definitely um, he's a guy to look at at number five. And then number six, I do have Robert Tanyan, but like you said, um, if Aaron Rodgers leaves for any reason, that'll definitely uh, affect his ranking. Um, also, you mentioned about his low volume of targets. Um, I believe that Jay Sternberger won't be involved as much. Uh, this year, uh, I feel like Aaron Rodgers targeted him, targeted him too much at the beginning of the year before Robert Tanyan had the breakout. So I feel like if Tanyan gets a full year uh, of targets with Aaron Rodgers, I feel like he definitely could be like in the top five or six for tight end. So um, this is just the assumption of him being in the offense um, with Aaron Rodgers. So I do have Tanyan at six. And Matty, I'll get to you for your next three. So my fourth best tight end is Mark Andrews like you guys uh there's not much to say he's very solid and I feel like he could even be a top three because Lamar I feel like hasn't hit his ceiling in the passing game yet so I think he could get even better my fifth tight end is Dallas Goddard um I have him this high because it looks like Zach Gertz is going to be out of Philly so he should be the first tight end on that team I don't think Philadelphia has many reliable catchers like the receivers they have Devontae Smith Fulgrim's okay that's pretty much it yeah. and yeah he's really young I think he's entering his third or fourth year now and it should be his first full year as a starter and my sixth tight end I have TJ Honkinson uh he got way better in his sophomore year last year, took a big leap. Um, there's not too many targets in Detroit, like you said, and he's only 23. So I think he'll definitely improve. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely uh, like what you had to say about Dallas Goddard. There's not a lot of pass catchers there. I know uh, Jalen Rager did not have a good year last year. Looks like Alshon Jeffrey's not going to be with the team. Deshaun Jackson's gone. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some targets opening up there in Philly. Uh, so, Nate, let me get to your seven to nine tight ends. So, for seven to nine, I put um, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, and Logan Thomas. Um, TJ Hawkinson, I think last season, he was tied with Mike Gusecki in terms of fantasy points per game. Um, I think he actually finished uh, higher, but Detroit, I think they do have a tough schedule this season. Um, TJ Hawkinson's a really good player, though. His catch rate is 66%. He gets a lot of targets, and like you guys said, he's going to get a lot more. So um, we might there's a chance that we might see TJ Hawkinson get like kind of a breakout season kind of situation. So I'm just not sure how um, high that his improvement's going to be. So I just put him at seven and then I put Kyle Pitts at eighth. I think he was the best tight end in this college season. I think he won an award. So I looked at his college stats and they were really good. Um, I think he had 43 receptions for 770 yards and 12 touchdowns, which is really good. Jeez. <laughs> um, basically, if he somehow got that in the NFL, um, he would have had 170 total fantasy points for half PPR, and he would have had 21.5 fantasy points per game because he only played eight games. And NFL is like a 16-game season. So 
he has like a really this high... year 17 this year oh yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah he has yeah. like a really high season so i thought even though he's like a rookie rookies usually kind of have it a little bit rough but i i think atlanta has a pretty a good a pretty favorable schedule so i guess why not put him at eighth and then i put logan thomas at uh nine i think uh for his targets he got a lot of lot of targets his catch rate is also really good um i think a lot of tight ends have really good catch rates just not enough targets but uh, logan thomas got i think 109 so pretty good for a tight end got a lot of yards a decent amount of touchdowns and his fantasy points per game was about i think it was 8.78 so i decided to put him at ninth yeah for sure um Getting into my uh, next three, my seven to nine, um, I have uh, Noah Fant at number seven. And the reason I have him at number seven is because I'm projecting that Drew Locke is going to play quarterback for this team next season. We can't project Aaron Rodgers or anyone else because no trade has happened. Uh, so it, it looks like moving forward, they will be going with Drew Locke into the season. And Noah Fant was Drew Locke's favorite target last season. Um, I definitely see a pathway for Fant getting to 100 targets. So he definitely could move into the top five. Uh, he's one of those players that you could draft him a bit lower and sort of uh, he has that ceiling that he can get up to. He's still very young. He's drafted in the same year as Hawkinson. So, um, yeah, very young guy. Um, Locke's favorite target. Um, this guy catches passes in the red zone. People have a hard time bringing him down. Um, I like Noah Fant's chances there at number seven. Um, at number eight, I have Dallas Goddard, and I agree with everything that Mete said in terms of Philly's offense. He's going to be one of the main role players in that offense. Jalen Hurts needs a big body target to throw the ball to as he rolls out, so uh, definitely Goddard is going to be that guy. And then with Zach Hurts leaving, we don't know, know what the situation is going to look like, so I kind of tempered my expectations a little bit on Goddard. I could have had him a little bit higher, but yeah, I have him at eighth. And then number nine, I have Kyle Pitts. I'm also very high on him like you are, Nate. Um, I don't think he'll put up that college production in the NFL. But, I mean, when you're on a high-powered offense like Atlanta, I mean, they're already hyping him up so much. He's going to be over um, uh, Hayden Hurst anyways uh, in the depth chart. Like, there's no question about that. He's too talented offensively to be lower on the depth chart. And then when you have him, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley in the red zone, assuming they all play together this coming season, like he's going to be catching his fair share of passes. They can't double team him and leave Julio Jones in one-on-one -on -one coverage. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to be in pretty much one-on-one -on -one coverage the whole season. And we saw what he did in college with two to three man coverage. So um, yeah, it looks like Kyle Pitts definitely will have some room to catch touchdowns to get yards. I mean, this guy can catch off the slant. You know, he can run verticals. He can run um, pretty much anything. So I, I really like him there in that Atlanta offense. So, uh, Mete, let me get to you for your seven to nine. All right. So my seventh tight end is Mike Kosicki. I really liked what Nate was saying about him. I agree with you. I don't have him as high as you, but he's been improving every year. Uh, I think Tua will get better and – he looks really old, but I was surprised. I found out today that he's only 25, so I think he can get even better. My eighth tight end is Kyle Pitts. Like you guys are saying, he's a rookie. Uh, he's a big gamble, but with what everyone's saying about him, like how he's a generational talent, uh, he has a favorable schedule, and he's playing with a very solid quarterback with Matt Ryan, so I think he's worth a gamble at eight. And number nine, I have Noah Fant. I also agree with you, James. Uh, he's took a big leap from his rookie year to his sophomore year last year. Even though Drew Locke isn't the best right now, I think he'll improve. And he's only 23, so he definitely has room for improvement. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely, I'm high on uh, Noah Fant as well. Um, getting to you, Nate, um, give us your uh, 10 to 12. So I guess my 10 to 12 is Jonu Smith, Dallas, Goder, and Tyler Higby. Um, I guess for Jonu uh, Smith, um, I think he had a really good season uh, last season. I think he finished 10th. Um, I think he can finish uh, 10th again as well. His catch rate is really good. 
Um, he got a decent amount of touchdowns. I think he got eight. Um, he got uh, an okay amount of uh, reception yards, but his targets were lower. I think he's going to get a lot more um, this season. I think some sites, they projected him as being, um, I think, at the T1 in the depth chart. So if that ends up happening, we could end up seeing a lot of targets for Jonu Smith. So I think that should be good enough to put him at 10th uh, this season. And I put, um, I guess, Godert at 11th. Um, I put, I, he has a good ceiling. Uh, he only played for 11 games, but he was still um, on pace for, I think, 8.5 fantasy points per game, if I'm not mistaken. He got 524 yards um, and three touchdowns. He had 65 targets. So um, if he plays all 16 games, uh, he should be able to, I guess, get that 8.5 fantasy points per game. So I put him at 11th and I put um, Higby at 12th, um, mainly because um, Stafford's going to boost Higby's production, I feel like. Stafford's a really talented quarterback. So when you're playing with a talented quarterback, that makes your stats better as well. And he was already, I think, at 7.1 fantasy points per game. So I think he should improve a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, Just looking at my 10 to 12, number 10, I have Logan Thomas. Um, Everything that you guys mentioned, I believe, Nate, you were the one that brought him up. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be his quarterback this year. Fitzpatrick loves to sling the ball. That's going to be a pass-heavy offense this year. It's going to open up looks for Logan Thomas, even though uh, he might not be the top target there, as uh, Terry McLaurin is there among others. But um, I do like Logan Thomas's chances of finishing within the top 12, so I do have him at number 10. Number 11, I have Tyler Higbee. Um, Nate, I liked everything you said about Matthew Stafford boosting him. I believe Jared Everett has also left uh, LA as well. So Higby is pretty much the number one tight end there. Now you won't be sharing snaps. So that'll definitely open up room for him to improve. Um, and yeah, Higby's had elite production before. I believe he was taken within the top eight, uh, top eight tight ends off the board last year in fantasy. So people have always been high on him. Um, 11th might be kind of low. So, um, yeah, uh, some people I know are definitely higher on him. And then I have Mike Gesicki at number 12. I know you guys are really high on Gesicki. Um, I also like that he's in a contract here, so that might boost his chances. The only issues I have with Gesicki is that I know Mete, you said he looked old running out there. I don't think that should be, that should be an issue, but that might be an issue. And then just the amount of targets, uh, like wide receiver targets they've acquired. Um, obviously they have Devontae Parker still there. I don't know the status of Preston Smith, but I know they drafted Jalen Waddle. They brought in Will Fuller. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of bodies there. Kaseki will start at tight end. That's for sure. He was better than any of the other tight ends there, but I just don't know how many targets he's going to get, especially because we don't know how well Tua is going to play. We expect improvement, but we're not hundred percent sure. So I'm not 100% sold on him yet. He'll, he, he could definitely move up in my rankings as the off season goes on, as we look at uh, training camp and so on. But as of right now, I'm just going to be uh, a little bit more conservative with where I rank him. So uh, Mete, let me get to your 10 to 12. All right. So my 10th is, Definitely controversial. Uh, I have Irv Smith Jr. I put him here because now that Kyle Rudolph is gone, he's going to be the starting tight end, I feel like. He's playing with Kirk Cousins, who I think is pretty solid. And he's been getting better. He took a big leap from his sophomore year to his rookie year. He's only 22. So I think he's got a lot of potential. And I think he's worth a gamble as the 10th tight end taken off the board. Um, number 11, I have Logan Thomas, like you guys said. There's not too many targets in Washington. Uh, he's playing with a better quarterback this year in this Magic. And the only concern I have is last year was his first year as a starting tight end, and he's a bit older, so I feel like he might regress. But at 11, I think it's a good spot to take him. And my 12th tight end is Hunter Henry. Um, there's not too many targets in New England, so I think he can get a lot of looks. Um, 
I think uh, Cam Newton should play better, definitely, because last year I don't think he could get much worse than that. Passing-wise, running the ball, he was solid, like always, and he's only 26, so I think there's definitely room for improvement. Uh, yeah, for sure. All right, Nate, just getting to you um, for your uh, 13 to 15 tight ends. Who do you have? Uh, for 13 to 15, I have uh, Evan Ingram, Rob Gronkowski, and Noah Fant. Um, for Evan Ingram, um, I think he had a pretty rough season. I think Daniel Jones was injured. Evan Ingram was also um, hurt. He only played 13 games, but they should both be fully healthy this year, hopefully. Um, I think Evan Ingram's peak was 10.9 fantasy points per game. I believe Ingram could get maybe like around nine fantasy points per game. Um, I think my only question is, um, I guess, if with Saquon coming back, how many targets is Ingram going to have? But he should have a decent amount of targets, I think, hopefully around like 70 or something. And I put, um, I guess, Gronkowski at 14th. Um, He's playing on a stacked Tampa Bay team, which is good and bad for his stats. Um, I guess good because, um, I guess, but he has the connection with Tom Brady, so that's going to improve his stats, but bad because he has to share targets with the best wide receivers in the league. Um, His catch rate is uh, 58%, which is lower than some of the tight ends um, ahead of him. So that's kind of something to, I guess, look for. But his fantasy points per game was pretty decent. He had 7.9, and he had a decent amount of touchdowns at 7. And he had, I think, 600 yards, which is also pretty decent. So um, I think 14th is a good spot for him. And then... for 15th, I put Noah Fant. Main, main reason why I'm so low on him, even though he had a decent season, is mostly, I guess, I'm just not sure about the um, Denver situation. Um, I think if either Drew Luck or Teddy Bridgewater play, um, I don't think Noah Fant is going to get any more targets than he already has been getting. I think it got 93, which is really good, but... Um, I think his fantasy points per game was tied with uh, with Gronk, and Gronk had less targets than him. So I'm just not sure about uh, Noah Fant's ceiling on uh, Denver so far. And, yeah, that's my uh, 13 to 15. All right, sounds good. Um, just getting to my 13 to 15, I know, uh, Nate, uh, you mentioned Jonu Smith as being your top tight end from New England, but... Uh, Mete mentioned Hunter Henry as his top tight end from New England. So um, I had to choose between the two and I was pretty much tied between the two. I couldn't decide who's going to be the number one there. So I had them back to back. I put John U. Smith just a little bit ahead of Hunter Henry. I put him at 13th and Henry at 14th just because the Patriots signed him first. So he was clearly the guy they wanted to get uh, in my opinion. And um, he's also a great uh, in terms of rush game as well. He had some rushing touchdowns last year. So I feel like his upside is just a little bit higher. He's also younger than Hunter Henry. So uh, just the age, the rushing upside just put me slightly above. But I do have Hunter Henry at number 14 because I do believe the Patriots will be able to support two tight ends, especially if Mac Jones starts any amount of games at the quarterback position. It'll be a more passing style offense, which will open up more targets for both tight ends. So um definitely if you're taking a sleeper on one um it it could be good to take a sleeper on both because you don't know which one is going to break out I feel like one of them will break out more than the other so um if you have room for three tight ends or if you just have room for those two and you're just going to sort of play it week by week that's definitely something you could look at um and then number 15 I have Irv Smith um with Irv Smith um having him just outside the top 12 Uh, When you're looking for a tight end outside the top 12, you're looking for a guy that has the upside to get into the top 12. So Irv Smith, I feel like, has that upside that um, with the right amount of targets, with the right exposure, two targets um, in in the system, uh, whether uh, Kirk Cousins is that quarterback or whoever, or or wherever the ball is going, especially in the red zone, I definitely like Irv Smith there. Um, I know, Mete, you mentioned Kyle Rudolph being gone. 
Um, that lowered Evan Ingram for me and upped um, Irv Smith just because uh, Rudolph is going to back up Evan Ingram in New York. So um, I just uh, put uh, Irv Smith a couple spots ahead of Ingram there at number 15 because I definitely think he has upside to get into the top 12. But Mete, let me just get to you for your 13 to 15. All right, so number 13, I have Tyler Higby. Uh, some positives for him is Gerald Everett's now gone. Uh, he's got a new quarterback in Matthew Stafford. And some downside I have to him is the amount of targets that the Rams have. They have Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, Robert Woods. We've got plenty more, but those are the ones that just come off to the top of my head. And He's only 28, so I feel like he's hit his ceiling. For number 14, I know this is going to be, like, pissing a lot of people off, but I have Robert Tanyan. Um, I put him this low because I don't know if Rodgers is going to be there. There's a lot of reports saying he's unhappy, so he might not be his quarterback next year. And then um, there's uh, – what concerned me the most, though, is he had 11 touchdowns, I think, last year. And so when a player is that touchdown dependent, I feel like this year he might not catch as many. So that's going to lower his production. And he's 27, so I feel like he's at his ceiling as well. And my 15th tight end is Austin Hooper. Uh, he plays with a good tight end in Baker Mayfield. He was improving every year in Atlanta before he got to Cleveland. But I think he'll be even better this year because that was his first year in Cleveland. And I think he's probably learned the system now. And he's only 26, so he couldn't do it. Yeah, uh, let me just ask you, Mete, with Robert Tanyan, if Rodgers does come back for next season, could you just sort of uh, project where you might bring him up to? Okay, if Aaron Rodgers is there, he's going to move into my 10th spot, I think. I'd replace him with Irv Smith. Yeah, I definitely like that. I definitely think that he should be a top 12 tight end uh, with Rodgers there, no questions asked, because um, I think he was definitely learning um, the system. He didn't start off as the number one tight end, um, and then he slowly moved into that role, and he just grew into it. I know you mentioned touchdown dependency, but um, even if he doesn't have the amount of touchdowns, I feel like he will be getting more targets. So he might not reach the ceiling he reached last year, but I think he has a chance to get pretty close to it if Rodgers is there in the system. Um, Nate, let me just get to you for your uh, 16 to 18 tight ends. All right. So I guess for 16 to 18, um, I put Hunter Henry at uh, 16th. Um, I put Austin Hooper at 17th and, I think I'll put um, Zach Zach Ertz at 18th as well. Um, I guess, uh, like you guys said uh, about Hunter Henry, um, his ceiling is kind of capped with, I guess, assuming Jonu is going to be the tight end number one. But I guess I'm a bit lower on Hunter Henry, mainly because he's going to be um, a tight end uh, two and assuming that they don't do like a lot of two tight end sets, then that's going to affect his targets a lot. I think last season, Hunter Henry got 93 targets, but um, he might be getting a lot less than that, like maybe 60 or 70 or something. And his catch rate was pretty decent, but he only got like four touchdowns and he's going to get a lot less reception yards. So I think that kind of. Uh, puts kind of like a cap on his potential this season. And I put um, Austin uh, Hooper at 17th. Um, I think he's uh, really good. He only played 13 games, but he got 7.1 fantasy points per game. He got, I think, 70 targets last season. I think he can get 80. We just kind of have to see how he fits in with the system with Odell coming back. But I think... Um, the, I guess the silver lining in Austin Hooper being injured is he it gave him more time to kind of um, learn the Brown system, as you guys said. So I guess we might see a big improvement from Austin Hooper, but how much, I'm just not sure. So I guess 17th is kind of like a conservative estimate. 
And I guess I have um, Zach Ertz at um, 18th, um, even though I don't think he's going to be getting the start. I think Dallas Goddard's getting the start, but um, I think even in uh, seasons where Zach Ertz was kind of playing behind another tight end, he still had a pretty good season. I think his 2015 season, he almost had nine fantasy points per game and his 2014 season, he had 7.2. So um, maybe he might end up getting like eight fantasy points per game as a tight end too, which I think is really good value for um, Zach Ertz. So I decided to put him at 18th. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, if he doesn't get traded, he will be playing behind Dallas Goddard, but he is talented enough to um, command enough targets to sort of be fantasy relevant. And if he does get traded, I feel like he can move into the top 12 for, for tight ends based on his previous history of uh, top five production. So um, I like that. Um, but for me, for my 16 to 18, I have Austin Hooper at number 16. I think we all sort of have Hooper around the same area um, where it's sort of a consensus where, where we like him. And I think it's just sort of a little bit outside those top 12, just because we don't know his role this year with Odell Beckham coming back. Uh, you mentioned he had, I believe, uh, 60 to 70 targets. That's pretty good considering that he missed a lot of games. Um, there's definitely room for improvement, like you mentioned. So uh, he's another one of those guys, like I mentioned, where if you're looking outside the top 12 tight ends, like who's a guy that can sort of have the chance to get into the top 12? Hooper's kind of one of those guys that you might be looking at. Um, and then number 17, I have Evan Ingram. Uh, in my opinion, his ceiling's a little capped just because Kyle Rudolph I mean, he won't catch a lot of passes, but he will catch some. So that limits Ingram's ability. Also, Ingram did a lot of rushing last year. And with Saquon back healthy, I don't know how much rushing they're going to be giving to Ingram. So it'll cap his ability there. So unless he's catching passes consistently, I just don't feel like uh, I'm, I'm really confident uh, with him getting back to uh, tight end one status there in the top 12. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a guy you could look at at number 17. The number 18, I have Rob Gronkowski because he was two different players, first half and second half of the season. First half, he was not even close to fantasy relevant. And second half, he was a top 12 tight end. We don't know which Gronk we're going to get. Putting him at 18 is pretty much close to his floor, which means he could pretty much be anywhere better from there. So, um, And also, OJ Howard's coming back healthy. Cameron Braid is still there at tight end. The Bucs have a lot of tight ends behind him. He is still the number one tight end, but I don't know how many targets he's going to get. So I put him at 18. And Mete, let me get to you, 16 to 18. So my 16th ranked tight end is Ralph Gronkowski. Um, like you guys were saying, he's playing with the greatest quarterback of all time who has trust in him. And like you just said, in the second half of the season and in the playoffs, for sure, he's got way better uh I guess that's because he was learning the system and he learned it more you know in the second half and then the concerns I have with him is like Nate said there's many talented receivers in uh Tampa Bay Antonio Brown Mike Evans Chris Godwin and he is very injury prone and older so those are some concerns I have about him. I think 16 is a good spot for him. Number 17, I have Jonas Smith. Uh, like you guys said, I'm projecting him to be the second tight end on the New England Patriots, but I don't really think it matters because uh, the Patriots are lacking of targets. So like you said, I think they can support both tight ends. And he is a bit younger than Hunter Henry, so he does have more upside. And Number 18, I have Evan Ingram. I feel like this people think is too low, but um, Daniel Jones is not the best quarterback, which is a concern. Um, I think last year he had one of the most drops in the league, which is another concern. And he is young, which will, which means he has potential and could improve. But with the signing of Kyle Rudolph, I feel like he could lose his starting position and yeah that's my 16 to 18. All right yeah um 
I guess as uh, fantasy owners of New England tight ends, we're hoping for Mac Jones to come in there and give us some targets. Because with Cam Newton, there there really aren't going to be like the offense is just going to be totally different. It's going to be a very run heavy, um, low pass volume that kind of thing. So I definitely a lot of fantasy owners are hoping for Mac Jones to. Um, whether they he starts week one or starts after the bye, whatever it might be, they're definitely hoping for Mac Jones to get in there and sling the ball. Uh, but Nate, yeah, let me get to you for your 19 to 21. Sure. I guess for the New England offense, what if they do a rugby style offense with a bunch of laterals? <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a cap doing offense for sure. All right. But I guess for uh, number 18th, I guess, um, Irv Smith 19, Jr. 19, I mean, 19th. Yeah, my yeah. bad. Uh, Irv Smith Jr. I think is a good pick for um, 19th. Um, I guess, like you guys said, he's going to be a tight end one. So that's going to give him a lot of value. Um, his catch rate, I think it's in the high 60% range, low 70% range. That's really good. Um, so the only thing that's kind of missing was kind of like the amount of targets he was getting, but he should be getting more. And he only played 13 games last season. If he uh, gets to play all 16 games and he's the starter, that should give him a pretty uh, big boost in his production. So yeah, I think 19th is a pretty good floor for Irv Smith. Um, I guess after that, I guess I would put um, Jared Cook, I guess at number 20. Um, I guess Jared Cook, he's um, also going to be a starter. I don't think he was a starter last season, but he should be this season. Um, he's got, I think, 7.3 fantasy points per game last season. And I think it should improve a lot with the Chargers. I think Justin Herbert's a pretty good quarterback. So um, I guess... Uh, Jared Cook should uh, have a pretty good improvement as well. And I guess uh, after that, um, I guess if uh, we're pretty optimistic about the Pittsburgh Steelers, we could put um, Ebron at, uh, I guess, number 21. Um, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, he's a really solid quarterback to say the least, he finds a way to get it done, even with a lot of contact from the defensive line. He somehow just finds a way to get the ball down the field. So if he can somehow do that this season again, I think Ebron should have a pretty uh, good production, especially, um, I think, with um, a lot of pressure, it might be easier to throw it to a tight end instead of trying to throw it really far down the field. So we might see a boost from um, Ebron as well. Yeah, I think just getting back to your point about Jared Cook, uh, he didn't get targeted a lot. He was technically considered the starter for the Saints last year. Yeah, like I said, he wasn't targeted a lot. He mostly relied on touchdowns, so I guess that's probably why you have him uh, around uh, 20th or so. And then, yeah, uh, with the Chargers, uh, he's got Justin Herbert as his quarterback. Um, just looking at my 19 to 21, I have Blake Jarwin for the Dallas Cowboys. The reason I have him here, I kind of want to have him higher, but he's coming off a season ending injury last season. Um, I mean, he was part of that high powered offense at the beginning of the season for Dallas, but that injury, I believe it was week one or two. He sustained that injury and uh, he just really, he couldn't come back for the rest of the season. Uh, he is slotted in as the tight end one for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they are a high powered offense. I don't know how many targets are going to be available for him. So I'm sort of just projecting him around 19th. He definitely could improve on that. He's got the upside. He's got the, the quarterback and the system to do it. So I kind of have him around there. Also, we don't know how much Dalton Schultz will factor into targets at the tight end position. Um, number 20, I have Eric Ebron. Nate, like you said, um, he did catch a lot of passes for Pittsburgh last year. He wasn't a top 12 tight end, but he was pretty close to it almost every week. So um, he's good for a backup in case you have a, a bye week. Uh, Ebron's definitely really solid. He's going to be getting the targets in Pittsburgh since Vance McDonald is retired. Um, yeah, so Ebron is definitely a solid a lower end uh, tight end two pick. And then at number 21, I also have Jerry Cook. 
moving to the Chargers, you never know. He might get some upside with Herbert as the quarterback. Hunter Henry's not there anymore. He should be the number one, Nate, like you said. And yeah, I, I have Jerry Cook at 21. So Nate, or uh, Mete, let me get to you for your 19 to 21. My 19th tight end is Blake Jarvin. And uh, every point you made, I agree with. Uh, the targets, concerns, and everything. Uh, Dalton Schultz, like you said, could even be the starting tight end because he had a really solid season when he went down. And my 20th tight end is Jared Cook. I also agree with you there. I think he has good upside, actually, now that he's playing with Herbert. He should see more targets in Los Angeles because there's not as many weapons in Los Angeles as there was in New Orleans. And for 21, I have Eric Ebron. Uh, he's playing with Ben Roethlisberger, like you said, Nate, who's solid, which will help him. And last year was his first year in Pittsburgh, so I feel like the second year will be more beneficiary for him now that he knows the system better. Yeah, for sure. I think we have guys like Jerry Cook, Eric Ebron, all around the same area. We kind of agree where all those guys should go. But, uh, Nate, let me get to your final three on the list for your top 24. I guess final three is kind of tough because uh, there's kind of a big drop-off point. Um, there's a lot of uh, players that, are, that it's like they don't have it. Uh, the opportunities. This is kind of where you see the tight end drought. So I guess... Um, I guess for the first of the bottom three of top 24, I put, I guess, Hayden Hurts. Um, he only got nine starts last season, and he still got 7.6 fantasy points per game. I think he got 88 targets as well, so that's pretty good. Um, he's playing behind Kyle Pitts, so it, how many targets he, if, is he going to get? Um, it's going to be tough to say, but hopefully he should be able to get like maybe six fantasy points per game or something. And I guess um, next I put uh, Jimmy Graham, for, uh, I guess for the Chicago Bears. I guess in terms of his fantasy points per game as well, it's been pretty decent. Uh, unfortunately, there's a chance that he might not be starting, so that's going to be a big drop off to his, I think, his production. But I guess um, it's uh, kind of like the same thing. Um, optimistically, he should be able to get like maybe six fantasy points per game, hopefully as well. And I guess my twenty fourth, it was kind of hard to pick, but I guess I put. Uh, Gerald Everett, mainly just because Russell Wilson is just um, so uh, solid as a quarterback. He'll find a way to get the ball down the field. So um, if that happens uh, enough times, we might, I guess, see some kind of value for Ger Gerald um, Everett. He does have a decent catch rate. I think it's um, 60%. So um, I guess there's... I guess some value in Jared Everett as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, just looking at my 22 to 24 at 22, I have Jack Doyle. And the reason I have him is because both Frank Reich and Carson Wentz have run the style of offense that targets tight ends. Uh, we don't know who's going to be the number one tight end, but uh, Jack Doyle was the most featured tight end last year for the Colts. Uh, I feel like that he definitely has upside with Carson Wentz as his quarterback. Um, I know Mo Ali Cox is more of the offensive style um, tight end, but Jack Doyle is the kind of guy that can be on the field for multiple situations, whether it's blocking or receiving. So I feel like that he's the better option for the Colts. I feel like he's going to be the one used in that offense. And I mean, if, if he was a top target for a guy like Philip Rivers last year, I feel like he'll be more of a target for Carson Wentz. So um, although there are some questions with the Colts, I do have him at 22. Um, I have uh, Cole Komet for Chicago at number 23. Nate, you said you had concerns about Jimmy Graham losing his starting role. I think this is the year where it happens. Cole Komet had a good rookie year last year for the Bears. I think he takes that next step and becomes their starter at tight end. Um, definitely if Justin Fields steps in there and becomes quarterback, I think he has more upside um, just because there's going to be a lot more um, 
targets available. Um, and yeah, they, they don't have a lot of amazing targets uh, outside of Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. So uh, I think Komet will definitely have a role both um, in the offense and in the red zone. And then number 24, I just put Zach Ertz there because we don't know whether he's going to be playing in Philly or for another team. If he plays for another team, he'll definitely come up from there. If he plays for the Eagles, I it's pretty much a mixed bag. I don't know what I'm going to get. I just put him at number 24 because of his talent level. He's very solid. Who knows? Maybe he goes and signs in Indy to play again with Carson Wentz and Frank Reich. We don't know. Um, I would have him above Jack Doyle, though, if he did uh, do that. But um, for now, I do have Zach Ertz at number 24. And uh, Mete, let me get to you for your last three. All right. So my 22nd tight end is Chris Herndon from the Jets. And at this point in the draft, like, you have nothing to lose. So why not take a gamble? He's only 25. He's got tons of room for improvement. And there's not too many targets on the Jets. So I feel like he could get a lot of looks. And Due to the Jets being bad, I feel like they're going to be throwing a lot. So that could also work in his favor. Um, my second last tight end I have is Jimmy Graham. I'm hoping Paul Komet doesn't take his spot. And he's a solid veteran. So he's always been a great red zone target. I think last year he had like eight touchdowns. So I feel like he can catch a lot of touchdowns again this year to make him somewhat relevant. And my... Last tight end I have on this list, like you said, is Zach Ertz. He's way too good to leave out of this list. And if he lands in a new team, he's I feel like he could be a top 10 tight end if he's used properly. But if he's in Philly, like you said, I don't know if they're going to play him or not. So he's a gamble at 24, but he's worth it, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I guess we can just sort of uh, go off of some names that uh, other people listed that we didn't have that we kind of want to talk about. I think, Nate, I'll start with you. Uh, you talked about Gerald Everett for the Seahawks. Uh, there is a possibility that he is the top tight end there. Uh, I just, I'm not completely sold. They have Will Disley there. Um, I believe, um, I, I don't know, is Hollister still there? I'm not 100% sure uh, who else they have there. Buffalo. Oh, he went to Buffalo. Okay, so yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know how many tight ends they're going to have there. Um, like Disley for a time was the top uh, tight end there. I believe uh, Olsen is going to be gone now. So um, yeah, uh, we just don't know for sure. But if Everett definitely gets the looks, he does have the talent uh, to sort of uh, do that. And um, I guess, Nate, do you have any other like sleeper picks? Maybe something off of one of our lists, maybe someone that's not on either of our lists. Um, Who's one guy that you could just throw in there that might be a sleeper? Um, it's kind of hard to say. I think for the most part, who you see is, um, uh, on the list is like pretty much who it is. Um, there's a chance that I guess, um, maybe, maybe like either OJ Howard or Cameron, Cameron Bray, if for whatever reason, they start to get more minutes, kind of take the load off of, uh, Gronkowski for a bit. Um, that you might see some value there. Yeah, I actually like that. I think OJ Howard, um, if Zach Ertz does drop out, uh, he would be probably my 24th tight end. He might be. Um, he definitely was getting a lot of looks at the beginning of the season before he had that season-ending injury for the Bucks, and he's definitely going to be uh, a big part of the offense. Um, and then Mete, just getting to you, any picks that we have that maybe you didn't include that might be a sleeper uh, any maybe other sleepers that you might have at tight end um call me crazy but honestly maybe Tebow could be a nice sleeper um <laughs> like the jaguars i'm looking at their tight end death chart and i don't really recognize their players i checked their projected tight end one chris manhurts he's got 12 career receptions for 142 yards so He's actually got a chance to play, I think. Yeah, I mean, if Tebow does turn out to be the player that the Jags and their fans are hyping him up to be, I feel like if you just throw him at the end of your bench and just hope for the best, then, then you never know, right? Yeah. Yeah, Nate, what do you think about Tebow being fantasy relevant? I mean, Tebow can do a lot. He can block. He can catch. 
he can throw. So he has like his his value is like he might be kind of like a Taysom Hill kind of player. I'm not saying he's gonna be as good as Taysom Hill, but like you might see him in some like uh some like schemes that you're not expecting where for whatever reason um Tebow is gonna be the one throwing and they don't really expect it. I don't think they're gonna do that all the time because that'd be too easy to counter, but uh, we might see him, I guess, put up stats where other tight ends can't really. So that kind of gives him some value. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely one thing to look out for if you're playing in Yahoo leagues or wherever you play. Uh, he might be dual eligible. So you might be able to start him at either the quarterback or the tight end position. So um, if he is throwing the ball quite a bit, then you might be able to put him in at the tight end position and get some pretty monster numbers. Cause if he's getting passing yards and receiving yards and touchdowns, whether they're passing or receiving, uh, like you never know how he's going to be used in the offense. Like he could be throwing to Trevor, you know, like Philly Jacksonville special, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> like, like F- Philly special Jacksonville style or whatever, but yeah, they could run some crazy schemes and he could put up some serious points. So I guess he's definitely someone that, uh, we shouldn't really sleep on and um i guess nate i'll get to you first on this like in terms of just drafting tight ends um who would what would you look for sort of in your tight end one and then what would you try to round it out with with your tight end two on your roster um i guess with a tight end one it's just you're just kind of looking for i guess just try to go for the, the tight end with the i guess highest um fantasy points per game maybe because um, I guess that kind of uh, gives you a high ceiling for a tight end because it's really hard to get a high ceiling for um, tight ends most of the time. And I guess for a tight end too, maybe, I guess the most important thing would kind of be consistent consistency. Like they can get a decent um, amount of uh, fantasy points and they can do that like week in and week out. Yeah, for sure. And then, Matty, I guess when you're drafting, what do you usually look for when you're drafting your two tight ends? Okay, so I think if you can get, like, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, George Kittle, or Travis Kelsey, then you can draft the backup way later in the draft because you're going to only need him if your tight end gets hurt or he's on his bye. But if you get more of, like, an average tight end, you might want to draft the backup earlier than, like, late in the draft. You know what I mean? Like mid-draft, both the tight ends, and then because you don't know how the tight ends will do after those four, they're usually just uh, toss-ups. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess for me, sometimes what I look to do is if I can't get one of the top tight ends, like I'll draft a more consistent guy like late uh late tight end one so like the 10 11 12 area like maybe i might draft like someone that's pretty consistent like mike Gesicki or logan thomas but they're not like top level like top five level and then you might round it out with a, a guy that has a lot of upside just outside the top 12 like maybe you'd roll the dice with someone like irv smith uh, that maybe you could project it as a tight end one or maybe like a blake jarwin uh maybe a gronk like who knows right some of these guys they they're low floor high ceiling type guys if they hit their ceiling then you've got yourself like a top 10 tight end right there and then you just swap the two so um yeah that could be another way um if you're just looking to sort of capitalize on the value of tight ends if that makes sense like not just jumping on them early there's i guess two ways to sort of do it Uh, that would just sort of be the other way and yeah, I think we've covered uh, mostly everything there is to cover on tight end. So uh, I'm just going to bring this episode to a close. Um, that's going to be the end of this Fanatics football episode. Um, thanks again, Nate, Mete. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FanFanPodcast. Check out the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Um, like, subscribe, share, uh, click the notification, uh, uh, leave a review, all that good stuff. And uh, thanks again, guys. And we'll talk to you on the next episode.